0: this discussion because of the, the, the disciples are looking at the end of the age. You see, they look, the disciples had walked over to uh, at the temple and they're in Jerusalem and they're looking at the grandeur of the temple and they're saying how marvelous this temple is and how magnificent the temple is in this, uh, uh, in this atmosphere in the time of Jerusalem and they they said, and they're looking at Jesus, and they're saying, look how beautiful the stones are, and look how glorious the stones are, and look how, how these things work, because they put their faith in these stones. They were these Herodian stones, or Herod stones that built this temple, and they were thought to be impenetrable, and and out the, the walls of the city were filled up with these Herodian stones, and they were thought to be impenetrable as well, and this that nothing could harm this temple. That it was strong, it was going to last forever and forever and forever. And Jesus looked over at them and said, Don't you realize that every single one of these are going to be thrown down, torn apart, wiped out. And then I got their attention. You see, you see, when you when your world is beginning to be rocked by what you what you think is established and what you think is forever and what you think is purposeful. Then Jesus gets their attention. And so the next question to Jesus is, teacher, rabbi, when when is this going to happen? When is this going to take place? And he says, and he says, take heed, verse 8, do not be deceived. And he basically, he's going to tell them, don't listen to other people. And then as we go down through this whole discussion that we will get to at another day, on verse 20, he says this. He says, "But but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that the, its desolation is near." And he he's speaking to them, and he's telling them, "When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, now what we know historically, right now outside of the Bible, we know this for a fact that the general army uh, there was an." Uh, Roman army with a general name of Titus, and he went into Jerusalem, and he wiped them out in 70 A.D., and in over in in Rome, there is the Ark of Titus, where it is the, his triumph, where it it has the uh, engraved in stone, where he is him and his soldiers are carrying the the spoils of the Jewish temple, the the menorah and the other things out of the temple. It shows him carrying these things into Rome and showing his triumph in and walking in and taking the vestibles of the of the temple. in with him so we know history beyond the shadow of a doubt when this happened was 70 AD that Titus went in and literally leveled Jerusalem now what happened is something of history that we sources tell us and others of different different historians of that time tell us that that the normal thing for Jews to do, the normal thing for that culture to do, is that if your country is under attack, you go to the strongest and most fortified city. You go to the strongest and the, the best place to take cover from. And so, as they as as Titus went around and began to ta- sack the city and began to wipe them out and begin to begin to take town after town, Jewish person after Jewish person ran to Jerusalem believing that that was their safety, believing that that was the place that they could go in order to be safe from this. And Jesus tells them, no. When you see the armies surrounding Jerusalem and you see them marching into the area and you see them coming, he says, don't go, flee to the hills. And what we find, according to history, is that 1.1 million Jews were slaughtered 70 AD. Now listen, in in America at the time of the Civil War, we only had 30 million people in this country. So think about world populations. And that day, 1.1 million people being slaughtered, you just about wiped them completely out. And those that did not, those that did not listen and those that that were conquered that did not die, they were led out into the nations. Look at verse 24, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and they will be led away captives into all nations. Exactly how Jesus said it would happen, it happened. The Jewish people were scattered all over Western Europe and all up into Russia that we understand today. They were scattered all over the place. Jesus told them exactly the way it was going to take place. He told them how the temple was going to be wiped out. And the only people that survived those areas were the Christians. Why? Because they listened to Jesus. When he said, when you see these signs coming and you see this, flee to the hills. Get out. Don't stick around. Don't stay there. Because what you think is strong and what you think is impenetrable and what you think is going to be okay is not going to be okay. Remember when he went to the cross, he said, He was standing before he went, and they were in that Jewish arena, and they were in the arena of Pilate, and he's telling them, he's saying, I find no faults with this man. And what do they say, according to Matthew? May his blood be upon us and all of our children. Their children were slaughtered. 1.1% million of them. You following me this morning? Jesus predicted it, prophesied of it. He said it exactly the way it happened. That right there is enough for us to just say amen and go home. You can trust the word of God. However, there's a, it's very, very complicated because not only has Jesus speaking of a Event that took place that we can certify with deadly accuracy in 70 AD, he's also speaking of a future time that is yet to be. And so, I need to, so, in order for you to understand this whole process and understand where I am and understand the Bible, I'm basically going to go from cover to cover this morning, Genesis to Revelation. So, we hopefully you got some time. We'll go fast. But there is something, there's a literary device called a chiastic structure. Use it in poetry, use it in many other things. The Bible uses it all the time. Okay? It use. if those of you in high school that are in lit class or in in college that are in literature class, you may not want, you may want to tune me out for a minute because you might get the cold chills because you don't want to hear about this. But what it works is this, there is an A, there is a B, there is a C, and sometimes a D. And what the poet or the writer is trying to do is, his main point is D, but A, B, C are backing up D. And then there's a D1, and then there's a, goes backwards, C1, and then there's a B1, and then there's an A1. So it goes backwards that way, okay? The Bible is structured this way, from cover to cover, all right? And what you have to understand is that, and we'll just start here, the middle, the point that he wants you to get is the cross. Everything, revol- it's, everything revolves around the cross. But I want to show you in Scripture how it's used real quickly. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, No man shall be able to stand before you. God telling Joshua, All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you be strong and be and of good courage for to this people you shall divide them as an inheritance to the land which i swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous that you may be able to observe to do according to all the law which moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may be prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For, they, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Really fast. Let's go through this super fast. Number one. The first letter A is, if you look in your Bibles, verse 5. The part of it, that says this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you have A all the way over here. Now let's go to the other A that's right here. The other side of it. Okay? A, Which would be A1, the last thing. Look at verse 9. The latter part of verse 9. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He says in verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says at the end of verse 9, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see the relationship, right? Going to the next step up. Then you have this step. You have B, and then you have B1. They re- This is very important that you get this. They mirror one another. God says to Joshua, verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, part of that, he says, be strong and very courageous, okay? And then he goes in in verse 9a, the beginning part of line a, he says on this side, be strong and courageous, okay? So there's a repeating of a, there's a repeating of b on both sides. Now there's a c. Look at verse seven, the latter part of it. Be careful to obey all the law that you may be successful, basically, that you may, that you may grow, that you may be good. Then, then the latter part, and then the other side of, of it would be C, which would be 8C. Be careful to do everything written in it that you may be prosperous and successful. So you see the mirror on this side. That's the chiastic structure. So the point of this passage what god is telling joshua is what i'm about ready to say he says to him in verse 8 he says do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night you see we usually preach this passage be strong and very courageous that's what jesus was ha huh? he was saying don't let the book of the law Out of your mouth, because if you let the book of the law out of your mouth, you cannot be strong and very courageous. When you, when you meditate and study and learn the word of God, then, Joshua, you're going to know who I am, the power that I have, the authority that I have, and you're going to go against every enemy and recognize that courage is going to come because of your knowledge of being in my presence and knowing me face to face and meditate on this and stay this. He was telling him, he's saying, the secret to Moses is, Power and strength was not that, he, not that he was there as a great leader, but he came up the mountain and meditated and spoke with me and spent time with me. That's the purpose of it. And so this is a structure. The Bible is set up this way from Genesis to Revelation. Sometimes you've probably heard of it taught as a circle. What you see starting in Genesis It takes completion at the end of Revelation. but So you go from one point to the other to begin again. The same process begins, though, when you see at the beginning of time, there was creation. Creation is right here. This is the A in our understanding. At the end of time, Jesus is going to say this. Behold, I make all things new. So in Genesis, he created. In Revelation, he's going to recreate all things new. Every tear, every trial, every struggle, all of it gone. All things new. That's the story. So then we go further in into the structure of this. And so we know... The Bible gives us dates to understand this. So then we immediately go into the next level. And that is B, the, the age of Adam. Adam's period of living and, and his, all the way up in his children before the flood. And so you have this, this age of Adam that, that, that God was using and God was molding this world. That was 1,656 years this is the age of Adam. Now, that's a long time. We don't understand the concept of that time when looking at the Bible because it's like two chapters. But it's 1,656 years on this side. okay? And then there's this age of Noah right here that, that buttons up against this. We find this in Genesis six, and we go looking forward into the right about the flood. this is 292 years, this time period of the age of Noah, where society became so wicked that no one would listen and hear the word of God. No one would hear him, no one would listen to him, and only one man preached the gospel. Only one man in the entire planet preached the gospel. Get that. Only one. And only his family was saved because no one else would believe. Okay? And then the flood comes. The flood comes during this time. And what and I don't have time to teach Genesis, but what happened to this planet literally was changed and altered. and then when Noah come out of the ark, there was literally a new world for him. God had recreated this place and put all the, and repopulated it throughout the entire world. And then we see then we see this, this next age begin right after this, and we'll call this the age of the patriarchs. And this is the time period when around the time where abraham was born and abraham was living and dying and abraham growing this was 1877 years before christ 1877 years so you have an age of adam plus noah is about 18 plus year 1800 plus years from abraham to jesus another 1800 plus years okay Y'all with me? I know I'm teacher. Hopefully you're staying with me here. So you have A, B, and then we get into C, the age of the patriarchs. Now, The patriarchs. This is the time that Abraham introduced something called faith. That it's by faith that Abraham was justified. He was, a Hebrews 11 brother brought it out. Hebrews 11 speaks of faith. The Old Testament, they had faith. You can't please God unless you have faith. And Abraham introduced this concept to the world by having faith in God to the point that he was willing to sacrifice his son at the altar. And God uh, prevented that moment and, and said, no, Abraham, don't touch your son. And he provided for him a ram, not a lamb, because a lamb was going to be slain 1,800 years later. But he provided for him a ram to be slain on that mountain, which happened to be Temple Mount, by the way, Mount Moriah. Oh, my. And for 1,800 years, and then about 500 years after Abraham begins the time of Moses, and Moses Moses introduced the law that we understand it for 1,377 years. The Jewish people lived under this concept until Matthew Gospel 1. All right? I just went through a lot of time. So you you have creation brand new. You have the days of Adam. Then you have the days of Noah. And then you have the days of the patriarchs where faith, but the law was introduced into the world. And then what's the next thing on the calendar? The cross. Everything is pointing to the cross. The Old Testament is pointing to the cross. It's saying with the cross, everything is there. With the cross, that's the point. That's the hope. If you read the Bible from cover to cover and you don't come away with a with a gloriousness of the cross, then you've missed the point of it because the point of scripture is to see is to show you that Jesus Christ is king of kings and lord of lords and even death cannot hold him and the grave cannot keep him and he's victor over all and then you flip and then we come this way and we have to rebuild back up time So the age of the patriarchs is on this side. And on this side, we are now living in the age of grace. You with me? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It is God's gift to you right now. God's grace is available to you right now. And for well, for basically 2015 years, since we've started dating our calendar, because we date our calendar flipped on the cross we and the, the birth of Jesus, we literally for 2015 years have been living in the realm and the hour, hour of grace. God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's available to anybody that asks. It's available if you cry out to Jesus today because we are living in the age of grace and the Spirit of God is actively moving in this world. He brings you unto Himself and you're able to be part of Him. It is the exact exact replica of this over here you see in Exodus chapter 19 the bible tells us that the hebrew people were supposed to be a light to the world they were supposed to be a light to the nations in verses 4 through 6 and they were to be the ones that the world would look to as a representative of god on this world and now peter says over here recognizing that don't you realize that you're a royal priesthood a chosen generation he uses the same words in Exodus 19. And he's, he's saying it's over here now. It's not just the patriarchs anymore. We're now in the age of grace. God is moving right now. But as time continues there is there, the days of Noah are upon us. What does Jesus say? It will be like the days of Noah, right before he comes. And if he doesn't shorten those days, no one would be saved. And so, what Jesus tells us is what is exactly next. In the prophetic time, we are coming to the end of the time period of grace and we are reaching the days of Noah and he has shortened those days and told us how long they were going to be, seven years, and they will be divided into two sections, 1,260 days or two parts of 42 months that we see that the days of Noah are not going to be 292 years, they're going to be seven years. And in that seven-year time period, there will be a shaking, and there will be great tribulation as such that has never been done before in the world. And then, remember, we're coming from creation, so from, from, from creation over here, things are getting from good to bad bad to awesome. Now we are getting, Jesus has covered our sin. He has covered everything. We are victorious in the cross. And now we take the message of the gospel and now we keep we're moving towards the, this next time period. And so things are getting, progressive spiritually speaking, progressively better and better while the world is fighting against this move of God trying to prevent it from taking place because the days of Noah are about upon us. And they keep fighting, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And then we will enter into this time period of the days of Noah shortly, otherwise known as the tribulation period of revelation. And for seven years, the world will be broken and shaken, and and, and for God to show something in power and might. And then the next thing, we have the days of Adam over there. The next thing is what's called the millennium. 1,000 years of Jesus ruling and reigning on earth. And then the Bible says, for some weird reason, Satan is released. Ask Jesus, I don't know why. He's released at the end of the 1,000 years to, to come against for a season, the Bible says. And then God is going to melt And going to melt this world with a fervent heat. He's going to burn it up. And then we see Jesus saying, behold, I make all things new. And now we're back to creation again. You see how the Bible is laid out? You see how Scripture has pointing us to all these things, what we should know, how we should live, how we should understand the time periods and where we are and where we are on prophetic time calendar and understanding this process. So we have a clue in our passage. We have a clue in our passage this morning. And it's found there at the end of it in, in Gospel of Luke. And it says in verse 24, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So, let me, all right, you ready? We're about done. From the time of the cross until 50 years ago, there was always people, Jewish people getting saved here and there spots from the, especially before jerusalem was slaughtered there were we see record of 3000 and then exponentially growing after that and so these people went out and took the gospel and spread the gospel around around the world and began to move in this process of fulfilling the great commission that Jesus had instructed them to do but we see a man called Cornelius in the book of Acts. And it's the first time that the Holy Spirit had fallen upon a Gentile. It was the first time the Holy Spirit, and this is well after thousands of Jews had come to Jesus and believed that he's Savior. Every disciple was a Jew. Every one of them, all of them were Jewish. The only guy that wrote anything in Scripture, uh, in the New t- in the Gospels rather, that, that was not Jewish is Luke. He, he was a Greek. But They're all Jewish. The disciples are all Jewish. And it wasn't until Cornelius that we see this this man being baptized in the Spirit and his house being baptized in the Spirit. And I want to tell you, thus we begin the beginning of the Gentile period. And it was fulfilled the moment that Titus destroyed Jerusalem. And so what happens is that Jesus is prophetically saying, is that from the moment that you see this, to the moment that you see the end of these pagans walking on Jerusalem, that is the Gentile period. So we saw about 30, 20, 30 years there from Cornelius to the 70 before Jerusalem was completely trodden underfoot by Gentiles. We saw a process. We saw a time period there before it had been completely fulfilled. And so what happens is that, that after, after this, after this 70 years, this this seventy year time of, of the patriotic age, the Jewish age was coming to an end, and it ended violently. They were saying that that they would take white stones and they would catapult them over the walls, and into the city, and as the Roman legions was lining around the city, they would, they, they, these stones would whistle, and the Jews, while the stones were falling on their heads, were mocking God and saying, this must be the sun that's coming, S-O-N-E. His, Josephus tells us this. They were mocking God. Jesus said there will never be a more wicked generation than that. And they were mocking God even while they were being slaughtered. Mothers were boiling their babies and eating them there in the city because there was no food. There was one story where a mother had just breastfed her child and then cooked him and ate him. These people had lost everything. They were wicked beyond measure and they were judged and wiped out. They were the children of the people that crucified our Lord. And so when they, they, and so listen, this is not anti-Semitic. Okay. This is these, this generation. And so when they, they were wiped out, those Jewish believers and those Christians that went out into the world, they were saved, they were set free, they were, they were, out in the, they were up in the hills, they were in other places spreading the gospel of Jesus. And then, and then ultimately we, we find ourselves fast-forwarding to this moment right here. You see, and I don't have time to get into it today because we'll get to it another day, but God tells us in the book of Daniel... That he says that there's a there's sixty nine there's sixty nine weeks that God has given to the city, sixty nine weeks that God has given to Israel and then we have one final week and we recognize this as the 70th week and this week every day equals one year or seven years so there are there is one week of Daniel's prophecy in nine twenty four through 26 there's one week time period or one set of seven years that has yet to be fulfilled and we'll talk about this more later and so this time of expectation is waiting to be fulfilled so there's we have the age of the patriarchs, we have the age of grace, and then we're going to get into the age of Noah and tribulation coming to us. And what's going to happen though, is remember the exact opposite. The exact opposite. Follow with me, I'm almost done. They ended being wicked. Jews. They ended being wicked. So the exact opposite should happen. Happen over here. You with me? They ended in destruction. But what's going to happen. Is that we recognize. That in 1967. Israel was already a nation by this time. In 1967. They retook Jerusalem. And in 1967 there was not a single Messianic Jewish congregation that existed anywhere in the United States. There was only a handful of Hebrew Christian groups and very few Jews professed faith in Jesus. But today, by, by our understanding, by 2012, there are more than 500 Messianic Jewish congregations, people, Jews that believe in Jesus, that exist around the world, 500 and at least 50 of them right now in Israel. There was not one before 1967. In 1967, the Jews retook Jerusalem, and what we see prophetically, Jesus said, until the time of the Gentiles comes to an end, until that moment of time, they're going to trot it under the foot. But now we recognize that this atmosphere that we live in, this purpose that we have today, what we understand as a blessing is here right now in Jesus Christ. And that these people are coming to Christ in droves and Jewish believers are coming to Jesus in droves. It is currently estimated that the conservatively of those that are Jewish congregations somewhere between 50 and 100,000 today right now and, and all around the world. I spoke to you wrong there were There were five hundred earlier there 's fifty to one hundred thousand in the United States believers, and there are two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand people worldwide. It is estimated that twenty thousand people 20,000 people are Jewish believers in the United States today. If you want to look on the website, you'll see on the internet you'll see people giving testimonies of their faith in Jesus. Jewish people that are giving testimony of how they love Christ and how they love Jesus. And you know what's important about this? is The Bible says that right after the right when the days of Noah or this great tribulation begins, what's going to take place is that there's going to be a revival around the Jewish people and the Bible tells us that initially 144,000 Jewish evangelists are going to get baptized, are going to get on fire and they're going to go out and begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world and you have seen this in your day that did not exist for one, two thousand and fifteen years. It is actively happening right now in this world right now, right now, now I want you to hear this with me. The next thing on his calendar, the Bible tells us, is the moment that he's going to step out on that cloud. We don't need to worry about a temple, but we'll talk about it one of these days. We don't need to worry about anything else. We need to lift up the name of Jesus, Because he's a soon coming king. The Bible tells us, brother, if you want to go ahead and come to the piano. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you've probably quoted. The Bible tells us this starting in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him. Hear this. Even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. He's going to bring with him. Are you with me? They're going to be there when he steps out on that cloud. Bringing with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we... Who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead and Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. To meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. I want to tell you this real quick. In the time of Rome. And Paul loved the, giving Roman, Roman Anna, illustrations. He said, he said this. He gave us this passage that we understand it here. And what what we know is that when a conquering general would come and come back, he would bring all of the spoils of the war. He'd bring everything with him. And then right before he would just march into Rome, he would park outside the city. And he would send a delegate into the city to tell them to get ready because he's about ready to march in there and show what he has done and what he has conquered. And so what they would do is they would go through the city and they would, they would clean it up. And they would try to, try to clean everything out. And those that had that family members and those that were, had loved ones that were part of that army They would go out of the city, and they were invited to welcome them. And then on the day that it was time to go in, they could march with them into the city. And what we see here in this moment, Paul is telling us that right before the the king of kings and the lord of lords marches into that city that he's going to send out an emissary and he's going to sound the trumpet and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord and we're going to hang out here And we're going to talk to our loved ones for a period of earth time of seven years but won't feel like that long with us. And we're going to chat with them and we're going to talk to them and we're going to fellowship with them and we're going to have great joy and time together. And then the king of kings is going to turn and say, now it's time to ride down in and take the city back and we shall come and wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of the saints of God shall come and reclaim this place for the kingdom of God. So we shall ever be with the Lord. Stand with me on your feet this morning. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling.